I know that heaven is our home and that we're just passing through. That's what the songwriter said, and I'd have to think that's pretty good theology. And if we've done this right, we are storing treasure, not here, but there. That, uh, you know, I'm not against us taking care of our earthly needs and planning for our future. But when it comes to treasure, the Bible is very emphatic about ensuring that we lay treasure up in heaven. It's people that we invest in. It's kingdom work that we do where, where our time really makes the difference for eternity in individuals' lives. That is treasure laid up in heaven. And our time is to be spent there, but God still requires all of us to pass through this earthly journey to accomplish the task of eternal kingdom. And uh, if you go through the Old Testament scripture, you'll find that ground is significant. Just give me a moment to to introduce the topic one more time and refresh our memories, and then we'll carry on. But uh, there is Old Testament scripture that gives us the significance of ground. It's territory through the Old Testament that Israel was called to inhabit and inherit and that it would be ground that was given and ground that was obtained to to pass down from generation to generation until this present day ground was very symbolic of what God had given to his people someone say promised land someone say territory God gave them territory it was theirs and and we still see war happening in this day and this age over that age-old struggle because it's good versus evil. It's God versus the enemy. And the enemy wants to thwart God's plan and fight God's purpose. And, 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 and we just see it at work in the world right now. Nevertheless, ground is significant. Someone say ground's significant. And so we're talking about grounded. It's not a flight that's grounded. It's not a teenager that's grounded. It's about that kind of ground that we connect to in the moments that we're walking through seasons in our life. It's ground that we're connected to. It. It's the ground that God called Abraham to walk into because everywhere that he went, he said that everywhere that his foot stepped, that ground he would give it. Verse 17 of Genesis 13 says, Arise, God told him, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I I will give it unto thee. And God calls us into seasons like that. God calls us into places like that where we get to walk into the purpose that God has for us. But we can't just stand on the sideline and, and expect God to create the territory that, that, that's there for us and, and just kind of land it all in our plate. God says, no, you got to get up and you got to walk into it. you got to step into this ter- spiritual territory. you gotta, you got to put one foot in front of the other. you you got to put one prayer in front of the other. you got to put my word in front of, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. you you got to eat bread for the journey. I'm talking about territory that God has prepared for us and we want to walk into it. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss that moment. And Abraham's ground was uh, the ground of wilderness wandering. It was the ground of dry desert. It was the ground of fertile soil. It was the ground with mountains high and valleys low. It was all kinds of ground because it was a picture of the spiritual life that we would possess. And we've got to walk into it regardless of where that ground takes us. You've got to own the ground that you're on. Now here's the problem. Is... <clears throat> I don't think I need to say this. Let me get, give me five seconds. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we see everybody else's ground. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. We get looking at other grounds. Say, oh, if I just had that ground, if I was just living in that territory, things would be so much. I'd be happy if I was over there. Do I have to spend any more time on that? No, let's carry on. None of us want to stay there. But we all face that struggle. 
because we can get looking at the ground someone else is on and say, man, if I was there, but God's got me here. God's got me in this season. God's got me. In, but, but God told Abraham, he said, walk through the land. He just didn't say, just walk through that, that carefully planned path that I've created for you. He said, no, get in there, Abraham. Walk up the Mount Moriah and get ready to sacrifice. Get in that land and it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you something. It's going to take time and it's going to take effort. It's, it's a season that I'm calling you into. But, but own that ground. Walk into it. Walk into it. We, we talked about that, that land, and we talked about holy ground, and, and, and we took time to talk about battleground. We talked about those seasons that God brings us to in our lives, and we've got to own that ground. We've got to, we've got to possess that ground. We've got to get grounded in those seasons in our life. Anybody know what we're talking about when we say holy ground? Those experiences that God brings us into and, and they're mem memorials in our life that we'll never forget. It's time that we, we find ourselves under the pew calling out to God or times when we find ourselves in a prayer room because we've got nowhere else to go. There isn't anything else that could, that could console us in those seasons in our life. And God met us at that place. It was holy ground. It was, it was times when we didn't know where else to turn, but God showed up. We didn't know who else to talk to, but God showed up. It was holy ground. It was a season where God called us to come aside from our endeavors and our plans and our intentions and, and God got our attention in this supernatural work and we were called and summoned to walk into holy ground. I love those holy ground experiences. Thank God for them. And then there's battleground times when we've got to stand up and be willing to fight, whether it's a bean patch or whether it's our family patch, whatever patch it is in our life. Shammah, he was the one we talked about and, and we talked about battleground. It's worth fighting for. It's worth, it's worth kind of sticking our feet in the soil and squaring our shoulders off with the enemy to say, you can't have this. It's not yours to have. This is mine. God's given me this territory. God's, this is battleground. You call it whatever you want. It's not yours. It's mine. I'm going to fight for it. It's worth fighting for. I feel the Holy Ghost is rising in the room. Anybody else feel that? Would you take a moment and thank God for, for how he's talking to us and, and someone God's encouraging right now. Thank God for that. Thank you, Jesus. I want to spend a few more minutes and just talk about two more types of ground that God calls us to. We've got to, we've got to own these, these locations in our life. We've got to set up the, the pins on the corners of the lot that God's called us to own. And, and one more ground that I want to talk to us about is solid ground. Hebrews 6 and 9 it says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. The anchor has got to be one of the most powerful word pictures in the New Testament. We aren't much of a maritime community. We're called the maritime provinces, but here in Fredericton, we, we've got the St. John River that runs through. And, but really, it's not, you know, I'm going to guess that most of us don't have a boat in the yard. Um, we're, not, we're not really that kind of territory. We're not lobster fishermen. We're not, we're not out <clears throat> fishing for cod. We're, we're just, you know, we're Fredericton. So we don't, <clears throat> we're not much of a maritime community, but in Bible days, the ships were the medium of commerce, and they were the most efficient vehicles available. It was the ship at sea that was vulnerable to the wind. They were useless if it didn't blow, and they were helpless if it blew too much. It was, uh, it was just the, the wind. The ship was at the mercy of the sea, and it was at the mercy of the wind. They, they couldn't just power up the Cummins diesel to get out of a problem. Uh, they couldn't GPS chart their way out of the weather that was coming. They, they just kind of had to rely on, on 
Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky at morning. Oh, yeah. They just kind of had to rely. That was, their, that was their weather forecasting. Not much different than ours, I might add. Um, but in the middle of all of those messes that they would find themselves in, the sailors knew that they had an anchor. An anchor was the hope that they had in those seasons. The, the anchor would be released from the bow of the ship into the depths of the sea in those uncertain times and fearful times and difficult times. Those sailors would allow that rope to, to let that anchor all the way down until it found the ground. Until it found something stable. Until all of a sudden the, the ship's motion and the ship's movement was arrested because the anchor caught hold of something that was stable. The anchor caught hold of solid ground. And, and no wonder the author in Hebrews said, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Because when life gets a little uncertain and when the winds and the storms of our life get blowing, God said, I want you to know there is an anchor of the soul. We're not just talking about a piece of metal on the end of a rope that's let down over the bow of our ship. I'm talking about an anchor that's beyond that veil. I'm talking about blood that was shed on a cross of Calvary and a God that's concerned and cares for us more than we can imagine and in the midst of unstable and unsteady times we have solid ground solid ground when we were kids we'd get in the mud sometimes and and uh you know one way one one way or the one boot would be left in the mud and one foot would be dirty and we'd be on our way home and just kind of before long whether it was this you know little Little wee toothpicks for legs, couldn't pull the boot out of the mud. Unstable ground. I, I, I can remember different times we had a three-wheeler. I'd take the three-wheeler out and, and the, the power lines, they'd be boggy. And you get driving along and someone gets stuck in the mud. And before long, it's just the, the axle spinning. The wheels are just throwing mud and nothing's moving and just unstable, uncertain. Uh, that's not the ground that God's talking about. He, he said that there is a solid ground that we can be connected to. As, as a matter of fact, Hebrews go, goes on, he said, both sure and steadfast. We need to be reminded in our lives that there is something sure and steadfast. Everything else is going to get shifting and everything else is going to get moving and quaking. But here's what I know, that this ground, this solid ground that we have an anchor connected to is sure and it's steadfast. As you connect to that solid ground, everything else may slip off on the way by. But if you're connected to the solid ground, if your anchor's connected to that solid ground, you aren't going to move when everything else starts moving. You're not going to shake like everything else that's going to shake. And I tell you, we've got connection to that solid ground ground in our lives we need that kind of hope in our life uh, the songwriter said it my hope is built finish it on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand you need Solid ground in your life. Psalm 6, 26 and verse 12, he said, My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Other versions translate that. It says, in a solid place. Psalm 62 and verse 6, he said, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. What? I shall not 
be moved ashore and a steadfast ground. You need solid ground in your life. We, we need that, don't we? Our circumstances get shaken our ground and, and situations get shaken our ground and everything gets moving, but we need that solid ground if we connect to that. Psalm 40, verse 1, Psalmist said, I, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. That's the solid rock I'm talking about. That's the solid ground we're speaking about tonight, that, that it's a miry clay out there. But if you'll just allow him to, he'll pick you up and put you on a solid rock. And in that moment, he's going to establish your going. You didn't even know how you were going to get out before, but now he's established your going. You've got direction. You've got hope. You've got a future. That's what happens when you get established on the solid rock. When you're in miry clay, all you're thinking about is how can I get out? When you're on miry clay, all you think about is how did I get here? When you're in miry clay, you're thinking about what in the world am I going to do now? But if you can get connected to that solid ground, if you can allow him to pick you up and place your feet upon that rock, then all of a sudden it changes. You see what happens in the, in the scripture? You see what happens in the verse? He said, he said then he established my going. Not just my staying, not just my existing, not just my here and now. He said, all of a sudden, I've got a plan for the future. I have an idea about where God's leading me. I know where God's taking me. I've got a vision of what God wants me to become. I've got a place to go. I've got a place to go. You need solid ground for your life. Ground that's worth giving everything you've got to be on. The who, who. It's, it's two options, really, in that verse. It's, it's the miry clay or it's a solid rock. Who in their right mind would ever say, oh, I'll take the miry clay? Uh, he's going to say, I, I need that rock. I need that to establish it. And the, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found, he hideth him for joy. Thereof goeth and selleth all that he has, and he buys that field. There's something worth selling everything for in your life. That solid ground is worth giving everything else up. You don't want the miry clay. You want that field, that, that treasure that's in the field. He is that treasure worth selling everything for. So Proverbs 23, verse 23, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding, buy the truth and sell it not. First Kings 21, there's a story of a man by the name of Naboth. Naboth has a vineyard. And it's in Jezreel, it says it's hired by the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. He was a terrible king. He was wicked king. He's, he's against the men of God. He, he, he spoke against them. He worked against them. And in verse 2, the Bible says that Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard that I may have it for a garden of herbs. Because it's near unto my house, and I will give thee for it a better, better vineyard than it. Or if it seem good unto thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my father unto thee. Someone just look at your neighbor and say, it's valuable ground. You see, the, the world will try and tell you that what, what you have isn't 
valuable. The world will try and tell you that, that it's got something that's of greater worth and of greater value than what you've got. Can I just remind you, you've got the most valuable thing there is. This is better than anything else that the world could ever offer. The world couldn't give it and the world couldn't take it away. That's why they're always trying to offer it. Uh, can I, how about we just do a little trade? Why don't you just sell out? Nuh-uh. This is worth keeping. This is a vineyard that God has given us. Ahab wanted it for his own purpose, but Naboth, he had received it. It was, it was commissioned to him. As a matter of fact, he said, God forbid it. It's my inheritance. It's the inheritance that was given of my fathers to me. This, this, this vineyard is, is worth more than what appears on the surface, Ahab. It's, it's, it's generational. It's been given to me. There, there's been stuff happen in this vineyard that's of great value to me. It was purchased initially. It was given to us. It's, it's inherited. It's been passed down from generation to generation. It's sorry. It's just not for sale. I, I wish someone would just kind of... Go along with me for a moment tonight. Does anybody know what you've got isn't for sale? It's simply not for sale. You may, you may be first generation Pentecostal. This may be brand new to you. Can I, can I just tell you, I encourage you, make it so it's not for sale. Make it so it's something you're going to pass down from generation to generation. Or maybe you can look back to your father and say, God changed my parents' life. And as a result, I've inherited this truth. It's not for sale. Or maybe it's a grandmother or a grandfather or a great-grandmother or a great-grandfather. This isn't for sale. This truth isn't for sale. No wonder Proverbs said, buy the truth and sell it not. Naboth said, I'm sorry, God forbids it that I, I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Someone, you've got to square shoulders with the devil and tell him, I'm sorry, but this is not for sale. I'm not backing up one inch. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming down off this, this land, this solid ground that God has given to me. Everything else is miry clay. It's worth everything to me. It's simply not for sale. It's not for sale. Naboth's stand cost him his life. Jezebel got in the middle of that mess, and as a result, Naboth got stoned, and Ahab, she goes to him and says, well, Naboth's done away with. It's all finished. You can go in, and you can inherit the vineyard. It's all yours, and and." <clears throat> Ahab goes in and he's in the vineyard when God talks to Elijah. He said, you go talk to Ahab right now. He's in Naboth's vineyard and tell him it's all. If you just back up for a minute, 1 Kings 21 verse 25 says that there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. He said, there isn't anybody as wicked as Ahab. There isn't anybody like him. He and Jezebel were a mess. They'd done so many things wrong, but God didn't, didn't raise his hand against him. God didn't raise the prophet against him until he took a vineyard from a man that was willing to take a stand. That's when it all turned. I, I, I've got to tell you that God has his eyes on individuals that say, I'm sorry, but this solid ground is not for sale. I'm not selling out. I, it doesn't matter what you offer me. I tell you, you get God's attention. 
Naboth, he, he didn't realize that God was watching over the balcony of heaven. And when, when Ahab stepped into that vineyard, God said, I'm stepping in because I've had enough of Ahab. It was all the wickedness that they had done hadn't stirred God up like one man that was willing to take a stand over a simple vineyard that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation. So I've got to believe with all of my heart tonight that God, you've got God's eye. When you say, you know what? I'm willing to take a stand for what's been given me. I'm willing to take a stand for truth that's been translated from generation to generation. Somebody somewhere paid a price and it's not my right to sell out today. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's not for sale. It's not for sale. It was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself. But when he stepped in that vineyard, God said, enough is enough. I've had enough. I'm convinced that we get God's attention when we refuse to sell out. And so we've got to value this solid ground that God has given to us. It's greater than anything else we could ever possess. This is not a Wednesday night event. This is life. This isn't just, you know, a sideshow on our week. It's not an it's not entertainment. This, this church thing is the real thing. I'm grateful for the jobs that you all have. Thank you for not being unemployed. And thank you for working hard. And wherever God's called you, whatever God, wherever God's placed you. But this kingdom of God is the greatest thing that we get to be a part of. I remember when I was sitting at Maritime, this is long before I ever even thought I would be in full-time ministry. I was sitting at work one day at my job. I was sitting there, I was working away on the computer, designing boxes, and I looked out the window. I remember it was just like, all of a sudden it was like, it doesn't matter where the check comes from. The kingdom work is the most important work that we do. The kingdom work that that gets accomplished, and and I don't know where, uh, whose desk you pull your chair under every day but what you do for the kingdom is the real job that you have amen i'll throw that in we get god's attention when we refuse to sell this ground came at a price this ground is ours because of battles that were fought and won this ground is not for sale this truth is too precious by the truth and sell it not. I wonder if you just pause for a moment and pray. Ask the Lord to help us for a moment tonight. Would you just ask the Lord to let, let perspective come and let revelation happen. Lord, I thank you tonight that you give us this opportunity to be part of kingdom purpose and kingdom plan. And God, that out of 7 billion people in the world, you picked us to bring truth. God, you picked us to build on this solid rock. I thank you for that, God. I thank you for that opportunity that it presents. And God, I thank you for the challenge that comes with it. God, I pray that that great responsibility would rest on us with that great privilege, we pray. In Jesus' name. I'd like to talk 
in closing tonight about common ground. Common ground. It's like common sense. It's not very common. Common ground just doesn't happen. You've got to create common ground. Common ground just doesn't occur. It's, it's something that's very intentional. You, you know, we've all got our own intentions and we've all got things that get our attention. But we've all got to kind of put our, our abilities and our talents and our giftings on the table so we can meet together on common ground. You know, you've you got to get the pick the pickaxe out sometimes and the, and the shovel and, and you've got to level some high ground in your life or, or maybe you've got to pitch all that extra stuff in your life into someone else's valley so, all, so ground becomes level. But common ground isn't common. You've got to work to create common ground. I, I know we put a little patch of paving out here between the two buildings so that we could get the water moving away from the building. And, and man, that was, <clears throat> I watched as those guys, they, they come in I said, no, we want everything to, to kind of move this way and and I was there when I said, call me when you're coming so I can be there and give you instructions from the peanut gallery. No, the guys were great. And I, I remember going in there and, and we were pulling out the old steps and we're pulling, pushing the, the, the gravel around and they've got the little dozer there and they're grading things out. And, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of work. And they said, well, how do you want this to flow at the end? And, and we're, you know, we had machines there and we had levels there and we had all kinds of guys with all kinds of ability. And, and then there was me. <laughs> Give my two cents. Where all, all I could say was, this is what we would like to see happening. And just a little space, just that little, little spot, 26 feet by 30 feet. 20, that's just all we're doing. And, and the, the effort and the time and, and, the, and the challenge that it was just to create common ground. Just to, to make sure everything was level and make sure the gravel would sustain what we put down and, and that the ground wasn't going to fall away beneath it. And, and it's just, just to create this common area, this common ground. It's not common ground just doesn't happen. It's, it's uncommon. You've got to create. Someone say, I've got to create that. I've got to create common ground. Paul said it this way. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, to the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. New Living Translation says it this way. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I like how they said it. I find, I try to find common ground with everybody. Doing everything I can to save some. Common ground. It's, it's uncommon. You've got to create it. You've got to, it's an effort. It's time that you've got to spend with people. You, you've, got to, you've got to put some of your preferences aside sometimes so that you can have common ground. But the benefit is that when you have common ground, everything flows together. You can work together on common ground. You can grow together on common ground. You, the, the effort is there. When you, when, you work, when you create common ground, there is a benefit to that common ground unlike any other ground. It's common ground. There's a high-ranking CBS series right now called Undercover Boss. The CEOs of corporations like Second Cup Coffee or FedEx here in Canada go undercover and they get a real feel for what happens at the ground level of the business. It's not just about a boss spying on his employees so that he can go back and write up all the slackers. I'm sure that does happen, but there's a few people that have been fired on the spot when the CEOs show up and they have no idea who they're talking to or 
what they're doing in front of them. And, and <clears throat> it's just, you know, but uh, the major part of this show isn't, isn't that, you know, it's just trying to find people not working or not doing their job. The major part of this, this broadcast is, is that they want the people that are far removed and in this uncommon position to feel what it's like with everybody else. It's to, to get down in the nitty-gritty of what's going on in their business, to get, to get down in the daily activities so they know, well, well, maybe that's in order, or maybe that's out of order, or here's something that we as leadership have done wrong, or here's where we're steering people in the wrong direction, but it's impossible from that top vantage point to know what's happening until you get your nose down in, in that common ground. So the CEO, they'll come down out of his lofty perch and get a taste of what it's like to be in the common ground. He gets to experience the daily grind. The, the whole concept, is, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, if you want to fix it or mend it or improve it, you can't do that from a distance. You, you've got to get down to where people are living and get involved in what's happening on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment, minute-by-minute basis. You can't always legislate or implement from distance. You've, you've got to be there to see what's happening in the there and then. It's not just a business principle that's good. And I think the reason it catches on, well, it's obvious. There's like one leader and hundreds of followers. And they say, well, I wish that the leader knew what was happening in my life. How many here have a boss? And so, has there ever been a time? Let's, everybody's eyes closed. I was just going to rattle off David Smith's, the reason why we close our eyes. Because people are nosy. I won't make you close your eyes. But how many just can, can honestly say that there's, there's been times when you wish that, that the people leading knew what it was like in your position where you were following? I got one Amen. It's impossible sometimes. It's, it's not just a business principle. Don't, don't worry, I, I'm not grinding any axe tonight. It's not a business principle. It's a spiritual concept. The true principle that we all need to get a hold of and implement in our daily lives is that there is a God that was willing to do that for us. There is a God that saw us where we were and where we are. And knew that we needed him to involve himself in our life and interact with us on a daily basis. Jesus knew, God knew that he needed to come. That down from his glory, ever living story, our God and Savior came. Jesus was his name. Born in a manger to his own a stranger. That's, that's the God we sing about, but that's the God that was willing to come on common ground common ground to save us common ground to reach for us common ground so so he knew where we were so that that we wouldn't be able to say you don't understand he he does understand he was tempted in all points like as we were yet without sin he understands he didn't fail he didn't fall but he said he could say "Uh -uh, I know exactly what you're talking about because I felt it I know where you stand tempted on all points like as we are he got in the middle of individuals that, were, that weren't just uh, 
the best of people. It was uh, the Pharisees who leveled the accusation in Matthew eleven nineteen. You're a friend of sinners. He didn't take it as an affront. That was probably the greatest compliment that you could give to Jesus. Why? Because he got down on common ground. It was Zacchaeus that he said, come out of the tree, dear tax collector. I'm going to your house today. Why? Because he didn't care what people thought. He just knew that he needed to get down in the common ground with individuals. He knew that he needed to be there with them. And, and, and thank God for a God like that. He would sit and have meals with people who weren't religious at all, people who were outright ranked sinners. And when questioned about it, he replied, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I'm grateful for a God like that. I'm thankful that God saw a family that was sick called the Lehman family and he interrupted whatever was going on in their lives that was a mess and messed up and he turned them around. I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm grateful that he said, ah, they need a doctor. They need help. They, they're the ones. I've got to come down from glory. I've got to come down from this throne so I can come amongst people. It's the greatest story of common ground that there ever could be. He walked with them. He talked with them. He was in the synagogue. He was in their streets. He was in the temple. He was touching the lepers. He was among the priests and the paupers. He was there among them all. Why? Because he knew he had to come on common ground. The story of the incarnation is powerful and it's inspiring. But it isn't just one that we talk about or should talk about at Christmas time. Because God robed himself in flesh, the king of all kings, the Lord of all glories, the great eternal wonder pulled human flesh around him and came to us on common ground. You want to talk about an undercover boss? That's God. Matthew said in Chapter 1, verse 23, not Matthew. God said, he said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is. Now, this, this blew their mind. God with us. Common ground. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. He could have. He could have come and said, oh, that's wrong. He could have been the undercover boss that just comes in and fires everybody. You're all done. Humanity, you're a mess. See you later. Hit the button. Uh-uh. But he was not imputing their trespasses unto them, but he committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God in Christ among us common ground. I'm grateful for a God like that. It was Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. What? That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. He didn't come to sin. He came to take sin. He didn't come to fail. That common ground wasn't an opportunity for him to to, to mess up and get away. It was, he said, uh, uh I've come to win this battle. I've come to defeat death. I've come to triumph over. He preached and he imparted, but his impact was in his reach. He touched the untouchables. It was the woman at the well of Samaria. He called for blind Bartimaeus to come. We can come back to the music tonight, Ryan. He called for blind Bartimaeus to come. The woman caught in the act of adultery was released. It's common ground. But it's, it's, ground, it's the ground of grace. It's the ground uh, uh, where he released 
them from the bondage of sin so they could be free. Common ground. But it isn't just this marvelous story of a God that came to save. We need common ground. We need common ground with each other. And we need common ground with a world that needs us. We need the common ground that compels us to discuss the go in gospel. It's common ground that, that moves us into this place where when we hear that call, that commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, we own that. The world becomes the ground that we need to go into and possess. Why? Because people are there that need what we've got. And it's only you and I that can build the common ground. There's a bridge there, but we got to build it. There's a bridge there. Someone can come over into this relationship with God, but, but we've got to take the time to create common ground. We've got to take the time to step down from whatever it is we're doing. We've got to take time to step away from our intentions and, and everything that's got our attention. And, and we, we've got to take time and, and create common ground. It's digging the shovel out of the backpack so we can level the playing field so that we can create common ground with individuals. It's coffee in coffee shops. It's meeting one another at the mall. I don't need one single thing at the mall. I don't even want to be at the mall. Amazon.ca, click, 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 click. Ship to the office so it's not going to be home. Kathy won't find it. Done. Didn't have to deal with anybody. Better yet, get your kids to do it. Brother McKean's funeral where Brother McKean has a special place in my heart. He's the one pastor that reached out to dad when dad was just a mess and said, God can turn your life around. But it was at his funeral where different young ministers that he had mentored, one of them said, you know, it was Brother McKean that told me, don't just go through the drive-thru. Go into Tim Hortons and get your coffee. Don't just go to the ATM. Stand in line at the bank and then go to the teller and talk to the teller because you're building relationships in those moments. You're not distancing. You know what Brother McKean was saying in his wise elderly way? Build common ground. The problem is our common ground is right here. Our common ground, this is our common ground. Our common ground is our holy ground. Our, our common ground is our solid ground. Our, 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 our common ground is this battleground that we fight spiritual warfare. And our, our, our common ground is 71 Downing Street, but God is challenging us, move out. That's not your common ground. That may be your holy ground. It may be your battleground. It, it may be all those grounds in your life that I, I've summoned you to in this spiritual territory, but common ground happens beyond these walls. Common ground happens in coffee shops, and common ground happens in people's houses. And co common ground happens when you flip open a Bible study chart. You say a Bible study chart? Yeah, an antiquated, old-fashioned, four-by-six Bible study. Search for truth chart. 
I saw somebody going with the chart recently and said, that's seen some pic- coffee tables. It was all tattered. It was half torn. He said, it just works. It just works. This, this thing works. It's so, it's like flannel graph. Kids would be amazed with flannel graph. But what happens in those moments, I'll tell you, it's not about the chart. It's not about, it's not about technology or talent or gifting. Or, it's common ground. Pastor Matt did a marvelous job on Sunday, challenged me, and, and probably part of this is the overflow of that. Just about discipleship and reaching beyond, reaching into. I, I, I believe 2020, I, I, I believe there's a few things that God is preparing for us. I, I think that God wants to strengthen the core of the church, and I believe that strengthen the church, not just the core. You're all the core, by the way. Not just staffers or department heads. God wants to strengthen the core, but to strengthen that core, there's a purpose attached. He wants to reach. You say, well, that's revolutionary. It's really not. It's just common. But common ground's not very common. Let's create common ground. Different grounds that God's called us into, but I want to own that ground. I don't want it just to be ground that's mentioned in scripture or ground that's dialogued or talked about. I want to be part of a group of people that say, I need that ground in my life. I need to be on common ground with somebody. Would you stand together? I'm going to pray and, and we're just going to dismiss service, but don't leave because we've got a little video we want to show you. It's not for beyond here, but it's for here. And, uh, we're preparing the guys to give them a moment to shut everything down why don't we pray together would you grab a hold of your well don't grab a hold if it's appropriate would you put your hand on the shoulder of your neighbor and let's pray together could we do that father i thank you for your faithfulness in our life i thank you for solid ground in the midst of shaky times and god i thank you for common ground that you came god that you robed yourself in flesh Emmanuel, God with us what a concept God, what a love story thank you for loving us like that but God, I pray that we wouldn't just be recipients of that marvelous grace but God, that we would deliver, God, that we would be more than just receivers, God, let us be the delivery men that brings that kind of grace to the world around us. I pray, Father, create common ground. I I ask right now, God, that you would remind somebody about someone that they need to reach out to or that that you've laid on their heart or you've, God, you brought them to their mind. I pray that you would, God, challenge them tonight to to reach beyond the borders. God, to reach beyond the, the high ground that we're on or the solid ground or the steady ground. I pray, God, that you would help us to build common ground into somebody's heart, into somebody's family, into somebody's life, because God, your plans are bigger than what we could imagine. I pray, Father, in your name, that you would allow us the privilege of seeing your kingdom grow, because we, God, we own that common ground in our life. God, because we own that solid ground in our life. I give you praise. You're worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, we ask.